Hey guys, I'm Raul Coley and I am Arthur Vader, a weird terrier apparently. My name is Ayanna White, I'm a writer for iZombie. Hi, I'm Molly Hagan, I play Liv's mom on iZombie. And you're listening to the iZombie podcast. Is that really how you're going to sit? Can't you sit up? Sit up? Sit up? You're listening to a season one episode of the iZombie podcast with Robin and Steph. We're a fan podcast dedicated to the hit CW show, iZombie. The season one episodes begin and end abruptly, so we hope you'll forgive us. In this episode, we discuss iZombie trade paperback number one, Dead to the World, with special guest Claire Lafar. Right now, we're preparing for the show by taking a monthly look at the DC Vertigo comic, iZombie. In this episode, we'll be looking at the first trade paperback of four, Dead to the World. But first, let me introduce our guest today from Intro to X and CarneyCast, Claire! Hi! Hi! Hello, Claire. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm I'm really excited. <laughs> so I was like, I get to talk about stuff that's not TV. I get to talk about books and yeah. poets. Also. Yeah, this, this, this particular one is about the comics. Yeah. yeah. We'll be doing that for a bit before we start with the show. Mm-hmm. So, Claire, have you heard of the comic before? Um, no, I hadn't. But um, when I, I got told about it, I was really surprised that I hadn't because – the artist um, is someone I'm a big fan of, which is Michael Allred, mm-hmm. uh, well, Mike and Laura Allred. And um, so I'd never heard of it before, um, but I may or may not have really enjoyed it. And I don't want to, you know, <laughs> play my cards just yet. <laughs> uh, it's true. Um, we shouldn't give our opinions away about how much I love the, the comic as well. Um <laughs> <laughs> but we'll talk about the comic in a moment. First, we have news for all those folks who are uh, looking for more iZombie on CW news. Um, uh, first off, I got uh, uh, I found out from the Twitter feed that they they shoot these episodes in eight days and take the weekend off. Oh gosh! <laughs> so Ooh. I think the, at this point they're on episode five or six or so. Um, oh, what do you mean with filming currently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the brain recipe that I was talking about last time has been perfected. <laughs> these, it, when you see um, Liv eat these brains on TV, it, they they basically taste like coconut flavored jelly. She says, "Oh, yum!" <laughs> but um, you know, she's got to do many takes. She she needs that spit bucket still. <laughs> I bet it's a lot. Like yeah, the it's texture a lot that's the worst. <laughs> yeah, you know, like. Mm. Um, some other news from Twitter. I'll just put this out there for people who play PS4. Um, our uh, our own Dr. Robbie, uh, played by Rahul Kohli, um, is playing uh, FIFA 15 and has started an iZombie football club. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, PS4. I want to play uh, soccer with or against uh, Raul. Uh, go ahead. Look for iZombie Football Club. Uh, more importantly, uh, we have uh, Rose MacGyver and Ryan Buckley are appearing on Play It Again Dick at CWC.com. Um, and uh, I've, I've checked out a few episodes. and It's, it's really funny. I love it. Um, they're free to get on CWC.com, so check it out. Um, Let's check them out. But that brings us into Ryan Hansen news. 
Ryan Hansen, who played Dick on uh, Veronica Mars, has been cast on iZombie. Oh, that's great! Oh, nice. that is ex- oh that's gonna be cool. He, yeah, I think he's. Man, we're starting sooner. <laughs> I think he's. I think he's guesting. I don't think he's like a regular or recurring. Um, says he'll play Carson McCone, a charming, uncomplicated golden boy and pro snowboarder who is paid handsomely to put his face on things. He's cocky, living large, and currently having an affair with a marketing executive who works for the company that endorses him. Um, they said, here's a guy who's got a lot to lose, and he's not about to give up any part of his perfect life. So, Sounds he's, like he's good cast- Casablanca's then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, other casting news, and this is still in speculation mode. But I've seen lots of pictures of uh, iZombie cast members uh, hanging out together, drinking wine, uh, and everything. And uh, in those shots is an actor named Bradley James. And um, some people are very excited about this, uh, especially fans of BBC's Merlin. Yeah. He played Arthur on the show. Oh. So I don't know if he's going to be a uh, person of the week or recurring. No idea. I don't think I don't know of anything he's been in since that finished like Merlin. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know if he's now moved over to the to the states and is you know trying to I, make it over there. I've never seen it. You've seen Merlin, right? Stuff. Uh-huh. Uh huh. His IMDb says one episode of Homeland, oh. Fast Girls. You see, I haven't, I haven't seen any of that, and that's about it. No. Um, a couple more news items. Um, the. Um, artist and writer we're going to be talking about today, Mike Allred and Chris Robertson. I got some quotes from them about their reactions to seeing the pilot. Um, Mike says um, he couldn't be happier, given he says, given my usual skepticism, I think it's going to be a great series, or terrific series. I'm also in the process of designing an animated opening title sequence for the show from Rob Thomas' nice. outline. Oh, oh nice. that's going to be amazing! Animated Michael Oh, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> So cool. Um, and the writer, Chris Robertson, has been on the set. Um, he says he knows it's a completely new take, but they're keeping the same tone. It'll feel familiar, yet it's something new. So it'll be fun for iZombie fans, um, the comic fans. Um, he says his wife calls it the Earth 2 version of iZombie. <laughs> nice. He's planning on having viewing parties. Uh, he says, I'm something of an amateur mixologist, and we normally have people over to our house for tasty cocktails, so they'll just have to come over and have tasty cocktails to watch a TV show that has my name in the opening credits. <laughs> <laughs> now that's going to be neat. Where is our invite, Michael Wood? Yeah. Are we invited? No, it's Chris Robertson that's having the viewing, viewing parties. Oh. <laughs> we'll go well, still. Either. I mean, no problem. Well, either way, yeah, I'll go. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, damn, I'll figure that out how to get there. Uh, Hey there, iZombie Podcast listeners. This is Robin. Uh, We did have some extra news to put in since uh, this record was around the 10th of October. Um, There was some new things around the iZombie world that I just needed to share with you before we uh, put the podcast out. First up, uh, not sure this is real or not, but on IMDb.com, iZombie is listed as starting 
in uh, 2015, as we know. Uh, it says under their episode guide for iZombie, the pilot, 2015, episode 1.2, January 8th, 2015. So it'd be really, really strange if we had an air date that early, especially since most shows are on hiatus during that time. But we figured we'd let you know. Um, also, we have an episode title for episode number four. It's called uh, Live and Let Clive. The one thing that I'm really hoping about that is January 8th, which episode two, according to IMDb, is supposed to be airing, um, is actually a Thursday. So does that mean iZombie would be on Thursdays, whether it's January 8th or January 1st or what? Um, I'm not sure, but uh, Vampire Diaries would be a great lead-in for iZombie. We have had actors tweeting from the set, not just our main actors, but ones that have been there maybe for just one episode. One of them is Allison Wanzera, who we did uh, send a message to asking if uh, she could talk about what kind of role she has. She said she couldn't say that anything about that, but she said, what I can say is that the script for our episode is awesome. Excited for iZombie to start up in the new year. Another actor that's been very excited about being cast on iZombie is Chad Rook, uh, the man who played uh, the Weathered Wizard on the first episode of The Flash, another CW show that's doing really well. Um, check out The Flash podcast on dvmpe.com. Um, he did get cast on iZombie. Really hoping he's going to be a villain because he was a really good villain on The Flash. And finally, another Veronica Mars alumni uh, was cast, probably just for a single episode, but Percy Daggs III is uh, best known for playing Wallace on Veronica Mars. Um, he's going to be guest starring on the show and playing Sean Taylor, a wealthy genius who lives in Seattle. When he gets a job offer in Silicon Valley, he plans to move his wife Penny and six-year-old stepdaughter Anna there but then finds himself in a tough custody battle with Anna's father, Everett. Uh, but the problem is seemingly solved when Everett is killed. So, uh, could be Percy's playing a bad guy. Um, he's really funny on Play It Again, Dick. Uh, again, I, I suggest you check it out. By the time this episode is out, I think all episodes will have been uh, aired on the CW Seed. So check those out. And back to the regular podcast. Here we go. We're here to review the first trade paperback, iZombie Dead to the World, which collects iZombie 1 through 5 and begins with an iZombie teaser story from House of Mysteries uh, Halloween Annual Number 1. So, um, why don't we just start off with impressions, thoughts, anything you guys want to throw in? Claire, do you want to give out your opinion apparent, uh, right, right away? Or... Uh... <laughs> I love the artwork because I'm a big fan of the the artist, as I said, and the colorist, mm -hmm. which is Mike and Laura Allred, um, husband and wife. Yes. Um, I Mike Allred's um, work is mm. is often compared to pop art, like Lichtenstein and sort of Andy Warhol and stuff. Um, but I love how clean it is, um, and he has these very clean lines, which I. I, I just love his stuff. And I think um, particularly Laura's colouring is um, is gorgeous. So this is just kind of an oversight. But just even looking at the first page, I was like, oh, I love it. Mm -hmm. um, particularly like in this, in 
the issues that we read, there's a lot of like purples and, and lilacs and teals and mustards, these kind of like more muted colours. And I just think it's beautiful and it's really pretty to look at. And it means a lot of the characters it's just it's just pretty you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> just looking at the colors like uh, we have Ellie in all the yellows and then we have um uh some of the other co- uh, characters have like particular colors as well yeah so Gwen's that's my Gwen's overall Gwen's. first impression yeah. I was like oh, pretty <laughs> it kind of looks like the show is going to follow that too because some of the photos that I see because I go online and mm. you know I'll look up it seems like it does have like a lot of there's a lot of that color Ooh. to it as well even with our, let me see, I'm going to try to pull up our Facebook page. They had that in Veronica Mars as well. Like it had this kind of, um, even though everything was bright, brightly colored, it was a bit more muted. Mm-hmm. And they sort of paid a lot of attention to color in, in that as well. I don't know how much of that was, was Rob Thomas, but, you know, the fact that you always had, um, I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, Duncan always dressed in blues, and Logan's always dressed in greens. Oh right, yeah. Uh, a lot of the characters were color uh, ha- were color coordinated, and Veronica dressed in pink a lot. Yeah, um, and green as well. Um, and that's something they sort of did throughout the the season, the the series. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think maybe it's something that you know Rob Thomas likes and puts in his shows. You know, yeah. he's got a good visual eye. <laughs> Because even like I just went on the iZombie page for the for the show, I mean, mm-hmm. and um, shared one of their photos just now. I think it's their cover oh, cool. photo or something. And there's a lot of color in that too, like you were saying with the purples and the blue. It's kind of like it does in the um, in the book. Mm-hmm. So I don't yeah. know if that's gonna. That's, I feel like that's gonna like mean something at some point. There's gonna be something. Yeah, and I'm terrible behind that. This stuff up too. It's like it's so it's always good to have that kind of stuff pointed out to me. <clears throat> it's like I think they, they do the different colors to affect how you feel about certain characters uh yeah and it just affects me it, i don't actually i'm not smart enough to actually pick it out <laughs> yeah. i'm, I'm yeah. feeling yeah, mad because not, that person's wearing red or something <laughs> yeah i'm not a visual person mm-hmm. and uh like my daughter will tell me oh my gosh wes anderson's movies are so yellow mm. and I, oh, yeah like, oh yeah they are yeah yeah but then, but it's funny that you know what that means, that. though. But like, yeah, even yeah. if you don't pick up on it, if that's not something you pick up on, you know when people say that, you get it. Like something this, that's so like, like just like when somebody says something is so dark, you're like, oh yeah. Like even if you don't pick up on that on your own, you look at it then and you're like, yeah. It's you know, like if, it if you sense. watch um, if you watch any films by Alfonso Cuarón, uh, he loves the color green he's obsessed with the color green mainly in his earlier films mm-hmm. and if you watch them they're all over it and he's got a very specific color palette and other directors i'm, I'm getting sorry i'm getting into film now uh, like uh, jean-pierre genet who directed amelie and mm-hmm. delicatessen it's the same thing he has this specific color palette and the same with wes anderson he uses like a lot of pastels um you know things like that and actually the wes anderson one i think is a good comparison to this book because i think the color palette is very similar it's very mute it's very colorful but it's very muted it's not like like a lot of superhero comics where the color is really in your face Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um exactly and sometimes like you know in superhero comics you'll there'll be so many colors in one thing and it'll be more of a, a denser. This seemed like more spread out, like easy to look at, easy to read. And so yeah. you can just kind of, I, I saw one interview he described that his process is just kind of like, you know, bam, headshot, bam, 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 headshot, uh, or like a bam, bam, like action scene, panel, panel, panel. And then boom, he'll give you something like nice, big to look at just to, you know, I'm maybe dog ear to look at look at later. You know, 
because there's so much stuff in it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was kind of my overall um, my first impression. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, more about the art uh, later, but um, uh, <clears throat> Ashley, what, what did you think? Well, normally when I try to like read comics, um, I because I I don't often, but usually I feel like they go slow. Like it's hard for me to read because it goes really slow, and I mm. wasn't like I wasn't getting that from this. I was like, oh, this actually is not like most comics I've read. It's not like it's like moving slowly, and because then it's hard for me to like keep reading. I guess. Yeah. Well, so this one I felt like it's just because it's about zombies and I like zombie stuff. <laughs> I mean, I might, my, my opinion on that might be kind of biased, but I was like, this is going to move, which means the show will, which I, which should mean, I hope, cross our fingers, <laughs> pray to God that the show will last. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, we'll see as soon as the um, the shows for the fall start, we're going to see kind of like how were the ratings are for, um, you know, the current shows um, that are already going to be on the CW, and then we'll know a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, when to expect uh, the first episode of this, of iZombie. What's, so, what's, what's it going to replace? What, <laughs> or is what's it, it going to replace? Is it just going to be plopped down in the hiatus of something else? I have no idea. Uh, that could be too. Maybe nothing has to get canceled. Hey, I mean, you never know. Something will, of yeah. course. No doubt, but nothing has to oh, be. I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> something will be. I mean, come on. That's inevitable. But yeah, the the comic is is <clears throat> easy to read. I mean, um, I I was worried at first. I'm like, oh, wait, I'm going to do like five issues. It's, maybe it's going to – but I mean, I was talking to Steph about it. Steph, um, I was like – it's only going to take, it only took me like maybe like an hour and a half to two hours to just sit down there, sit down and read the entire thing. What, what kind of experience did you have with it? Yeah. Well, you know, fall television has started back and I have all this TV to watch and I have all kinds of comic books that in my bag that I tote around that I'm going to read, but never get around to because there's too much television. I get distracted by television. Yeah. Well, this, I sat down and I just I just uh, devoured it in one sitting. Like a zombie? I just read it. Yeah, I just mindlessly. Yeah, just. <laughs> I just like a zombie. I just devoured it. Like that. <laughs> it is easy to read. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. It's, it was a, That's what I think. Definitely very fun. <laughs> it, was, it was a fun one. It was just, I, cause I, again, I normally don't read comics because I'm so, I mean, I have in the past. But some people are like so into it. And I'm like, how? <laughs> like, I, you know, I don't get it because I. Like sometimes when I read the comics, I don't like the characters at first because mm-hmm. I don't understand, I, you know, what's going on. With this one, I, I mean, like I did, I was really intrigued by. And it's funny, I, I actually just loving the look of this comic. I went and tried out some other uh, Mike Allred uh, books. I mean, I'd already oh, read cool. a, a Daredevil issue. That oh, he did. The, the issue that made me cry. You mean? Yeah, <laughs> that oh. was very good. Um, I did go back. He's he's uh, his biggest thing besides I Zombie is what gave gave, gave him notoriety is this uh, comic called Mad Men. Mad Man. Yeah. Not Mad Men. <laughs> Mad Men. <laughs> Don Draper with superpowers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know. I read the first issue and it was just, it, it that was hard to get into. I was like, what is going on? Yeah. I don't have any idea, and I feel like it's going to be like a commitment to like make myself like through like five issues to just get into it but i I couldn't get into it either um but saying that i don't know if you guys noticed well i don't know if you noticed robin on the first page Mm. you have like little trick-or-treater kids and one of them is dressed as madman which is really cool yes there's there's a little batman as well but one of the kids i don't know if you guys can see it's in the first panel uh with the big full moon and the little kid in the bottom right with the little um exclamation mark on his shirt is dressed as madman which is the character that that he created Nice little oh, Easter egg there. Yeah, it's cool. Okay, that is kind of cool. But I did uh, actually just start picking up his um, 
his latest uh, comic book, which is uh, Silver Surfer. And yeah, that's it's really, really good. good. I've read the first couple of issues, and I really liked them. We continue with it. I found uh, I found like the first stuff of his I read was when he was on X Force, I think, um, right. which was one of the X Men titles. I think it was like early two thousands, mm-hmm. and I just really liked his art style. Um, so I've kind of like tried to follow him as much as I can since. It's so different than I was the usual. He did the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I kind of wish he would come back and do some more issues of Daredevil because he only did one and it was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like you said, the, his his style is often compared to pop art. Um, he says uh, he likes doing very expressive characters. He likes to try to find the balance between photorealism and cartoony. He, before he started comics, he actually taught a head drawing class and... Uh, he says he likes to make his characters relatable. He also likes to find the balance in using his art to tell stories. And like I said, yeah, yeah the action sequence, action sequence, and boom, to give you something big to stare at for a moment. Um, he, his partner, uh, like Claire said, uh, is his wife, Laura, who is his colorist. And that's because Mike is actually colorblind. Um, or technically, I didn't know that. Yeah. Now that's interesting because I didn't know that. That's interesting now. Yeah. That makes the colors even more interesting. Yeah. yeah. So he says that he hears his work being compared to pop art a lot. And when he thinks of pop art, he thinks mostly of the big colors. So he says he really owes a lot um, to his wife for those comparisons. Aww. So that's nice. Uh, and... Um, Let's see what else. This series was nominated for an Eisner Award in 2010. I think American Vampire ended up winning, but it's I guess it's this award they give out at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, a little bit of the history of this, how this comic was created. Um, Shelley Bond, an editor at Vertigo, um, brought these two guys together. Chris Robertson, who I didn't really say much about him. He would worked on Fables and Superman. He's also like a sci-fi novelist. Yeah. Alternate history. Fables stuff. is fantastic. I love Fables. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've read part of that. Um, it turns out, uh, well, Chris had a proposal for a monster book. To, he gave to Vertigo and then was looking for an artist, and Shelley wanted to hook him up with Mike. And um, it turns out that Chris is married to uh, Robert Rodriguez's as executive assistant, Allison Baker, who Mike already knew from, I guess he worked on the set of Spy Kids. I'm not really sure what his involvement in that movie was. But he gets thanks in the credits. Basically, Robert Rodriguez has been trying for the longest time to make a Madman movie, but never really yeah. got to it. Um, he, I think he got distracted because it said that uh, Mike actually introduced Robert Rodriguez to Frank Miller. And then uh. Rodriguez went and did the Sin City <laughs> movie. So I don't know if it's yeah. kind of like a, you know... Uh, I'm going to be right back, uh, Mike, or I don't really know the inside <laughs> stuff on that, but um, they said, Mike says, initially, we just brainstormed and entertained ourselves working out from the first several outlines from um, uh, Chris, and he says, I love his scripts. They've really inspired me to step up my game, my art, and Chris basically comes up with a story, never really asks Mike about the story unless he has to draw a new monster. And he says, it's almost like a personal challenge on my part to give Mike stuff that he's going to be excited about drawing. It's like he's testing me. He won't tell me what to write. Um, He says, it's like a codependent relationship where I'm supposed to read his mind and figure out what he wants. And I do my best. And he seems generally satisfied. (laughs) That's good. Um, But yeah, the... These first couple issues, they they developed like a story story engine, like a 
like a regular thing. And then um, Chris uh, Robertson d- decided, like, oh, this is – I'm predicting this myself, and I don't want my, my series to be predictable. So he started evolving the comic into what he says, uh, ever weirder directions. And, uh, yeah, the like the fourth issue of this where it really blows up the mythology, I think, is probably where he was just like, let's just – let's get crazy. <laughs> let's explain yeah. everything. Which is good, though, yeah, in a way. Yeah. You know, it's like people won't have, don't feel like they have to work as hard to figure everything out. And um, he says, when he was talking about the TV series, he says, uh, it's funny, in my head I approached it almost like it was a TV show to begin with. Since the first six issues, for example, only take place within three locations. Because in my head, I didn't want to be over budget. <laughs> <laughs> See? That's really funny. In his head, he didn't want to be over budget. That's awesome. <laughs> um. Let's see. Other history I have here. Um, the setting is Eugene, Oregon, um, which is Mike's favorite town. I get in trouble of how I say Oregon sometimes. Oregon, Oregon. Um, feel, Oregon. feel free to write into iZombiePodcast at gmail.com and yell at me if I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> um, any, uh, yeah, if we say anything wrong or have any. <laughs> information that maybe is not correct but you know the correct answer please let us know (laughs) yeah um so yeah uh mike basically grew up outside of eugene like an hour outside of eugene and now lives in eugene and um originally chris robertson was going to base i zombie in california but when um he was trying to woo mike into being his artist uh he was advised hey maybe you should base it in eugene (laughs) because mike really likes eugene um, and well, Eugene, Oregon is more spooky because it's yeah. overcast a lot. Yeah. California's too sunny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, Buffy's in California. She would have sorted them out ages ago. <laughs> <Well>. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Mike says that pop culture has largely ignored Eugene. And he says, um, I went out of my way to find all the locations, and that was a huge thrill for me. And I'm hoping people who read the comic in Eugene. Um, we'll do the same thing. So basically, Chris would look at like online street views of Eugene, Oregon, and sort of base the story around that. And then Mike would actually like go to these locations and draw them. So they're actually really? real locations. Ah. I want to go and check out the house because it's so cool. It's like the Adams family the house. Mansion there? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's the Shelton McMurphy Johnson house. So if you Google that, I bet you can see the actual house. Nice. Um, Dixie's Firehouse is based on this um, Finn's Drive-In, which is outside of town in Springfield, I guess. I'm on the East Coast, so I don't know how close these things are. <laughs> and I'm directionally challenged. So, <laughs> so you know. So, I know so, things. You know, it's by that rock over there, that rock with the face. Yeah, so that's how I give directions. <laughs> People are like, yeah, okay. So, yeah, there's a real love of uh, Eugene in this uh, comic, and I don't expect it now to go outside Eugene. I don't know. Unless it, um, it goes in some sort of weird um, interdimensional uh, thing with Egypt like it does in the fourth issue <sighs> so yeah <laughs> that's all the uh, history and inspiration and stuff though so, I don't know let's maybe we should just this is uh, 
to clue our listeners in, I've never reviewed a comic before, so. Yeah, I haven't either. <laughs> yeah. Books, sort of. Book, yeah, kind of like done a book, but not really. I, so after I listened to the first episode you guys did last week that sort of gave an overview of the, the series, um, but I didn't know much about the comic. And for some reason, I thought it was going to mainly be like zombies and it was going to be the lead character, um, Liv or Gwen, as sort of a, an oddity. So there was kind of spooky things that happened, but, you know, she was a zombie and that's that's not very common. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that surprised me about this book was that you have, it was like, like in the first few issues, you have a werewolf, you have a zombie, or a were-terrier, sorry. You have a zombie, you have a vampire, you have a mummy, you have a ghost. And I was like, oh, it's a lot more sort of being human than I thought it would be, you know? This is the perfect Halloween. It is a nice surprise. Perfect thing to read around Halloween. Yeah, at least it's on Halloween. But that was a nice surprise. I thought it was just going to be this this zombie girl, and you know there was no other real you know spooky stuff that was known about. But you find oh no, there's there's other there's a lot of like crazy stuff going on. So. Well, I like that they introduce all of that, like you know, yeah, yeah. right off the bat, no, they yeah. explain like, it. Now you're going to yeah, you're going to know exactly what you're going into. And again, what goes back to my, my first comment, it doesn't move slowly. You know, you get all of this kind of right in the same, right at the same time. Yeah. So you know exactly where it's going to go and who you're going to see and who you're going to be spent, you know, what characters you're going to be spending your time with as you're reading. I think reading the teaser in that House of Mystery Halloween annual, I'd, I'd be like, ooh, I want to read this comic. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the zombie is dressed up like Sean from Shaun of the Dead. Oh, it's That's so awesome. good. <laughs> That's too it is kind of <laughs> The wear terrier yeah, is just great. wearing his normal clothes, and the ghost is wearing a sheet. <laughs> Although you know, you know it kind of reminds me of that warm bodies. Maybe I'm not. That's I don't know. Yeah, that thing? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that show. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, we have our 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 villain set up in the beginning with uh, John Amon. John Amon. John Amon. John Amon. And I love that he has like he's got like in this bit he's got like this weird um, like makeup or something on his face or scars and he's yeah. got an eye like a third eye. eye and when it, when it was like the bandages on his arms plus the eye on his head and the cat behind him i was like egypt mm. mummy <laughs> like immediately just because it's like the sort of eye of horus type thing on his forehead mm. and like the cat i mean i don't know what's going with that cat but it's fabulous and i want yeah, one wait, um is it? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I was like intrigued already. I was like, what's going on? As yeah. Ellie calls him Mr. Scary Mask Mummy Hands. Yes. <laughs> Scary Mask Mummy Hands. I like that. I love Ellie. I don't know about you guys, but she's just Ellie's awesome. <laughs> I love as well talking about the colors. I love like there's a, 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 a page later, mm-hmm. like a splash page where Ellie's standing in the graveyard yes. and all the other ghosts are sort of in greys and these like muted purples and she's in yellow and she's very bright. And I love the fact that she's this ghost character, but they she's actually really brightly colored and she's kind of in this sixties wear. I don't know. Mm. I just love it, you know, and rather than doing like a ghost that's sort of gray and everything, she's like this really sunny, you know, ghost. Yeah. And it's funny. She, they, they have the, uh, the thing where basically, you know, she's she's from the sixties, so she doesn't know about these internets. Or <laughs> yeah, these internets. Yeah. yeah, but she knows Mr. Chimps, uh, the TV show. So I guess that's been <clears throat> on for a long time. Um, yeah, I just, I, you know, I loved, I loved that character. I loved um, 
how goofy she was, how much of a good friend she was to Gwen. And I also thought, like, when they reveal that ghosts can't actually go anywhere except for where they've been, and that's if they remember it. <laughs> like, yeah. that's so sad. Like, she's about to get on a bus uh, to get out of town, and she gets basically, well, I don't know if she was going to get on the bus, because she gets hit by a bus right before she was about to go travel the world. So she's just stuck in Eugene. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened? Oh, I was about to go travel the world. Oh, how was that? Yeah, I got hit by a bus. <laughs> yeah. It was great. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Other than that, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, she ended up being like one of my favorites. I always loved when she'd be in in a scene. And, and this whole thing with um, Gwen, who's got this thing about... Um, Dixie Mason action girl. Yeah, what what's up with that? I don't, I didn't get it. Well, she she's, I I, I guess she's must be like like their version of Barbie or something. So it's like uh-huh. she's got this ghost best friend who dresses up basically like Dixie Mason action girl, <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know, it's just kind of funny. Um, and so Scott gave her a doll because he's. <laughs> He's got a thing for her, and she just yeah. she doesn't realize it. I feel bad for I, I I I've been in Scott's position before. You're trying to chat to a girl that you like, and you know only one thing about her. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you just keep talking to her about it. And she's like, "All right, all right, I know. I love Dixie Mason, Action Girl, and everything, but it's enough <laughs> about that." <laughs> but I like they're I think they're laying things in. Um, about this, I mean, Scott talks about some sort of like supernatural thing around the Dixie Mason action girl, and there's also the fact that the the rest of the diner they go to is called Dixie's Firehouse, and the waitress there is called his name is Dixie. Her name is Dixie. Yeah. Oh. And then they're like, then she says, says some like, I there's a rumor that she was like in Mister Chimp's gang or something. That I'm thinking like the you know the Howdy Duty Club or the Musketeers or something. But I'm almost thinking, like, is she the original Dixie Mason action girl? And now she just runs a diner or whatever? That makes sense. That'd be kind of cool, actually. And the fact that, like, Scott says something about there's supernatural origins to it. But, um, and and he comes in, you know, as the were-terrier with the hoodie over his head. And they have have the classic, like, they dark out his face. Like, you could do that in a comic where, oh, obviously she doesn't see anything. But does she? Is she ignoring all these supernatural things or is she she kind of a part of it? I don't know. Yeah, because looking at Dixie, she's drawn the way, okay, like in television or in the movies, when they take a young, pretty actress and put prosthetics on their face to make them look older. <laughs> That's yeah. the way this character is drawn. Hmm. And she looks kind of like, I don't know. Maybe maybe she's a zombie. I don't know. She's. I think she looked gray. I'm trying to find a. Maybe she's a witch. We haven't got a witch. Yeah, yeah. John, oh, we haven't explained witches. <laughs> What's up with witches? It's funny because the way he describes, like, we get the um, the explanation about where zombies and throats and vampires and everything comes from. It reminded me of a. Uh, a series of books uh, called the Felix Caster books by Mike Carey, who's also a, a, a comic writer. And in that, the main guy is, is very like um, John Constantine. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an exorcist. Um, he's an English exorcist. Um, and he, he gets rid of ghosts. But the way they describe uh, werewolves and zombies is all tied in with the fact that they're from ghosts as well, you know? So it's like a, 
a ghost, a werewolf is a ghost that has a human ghost that has gone into an animal body and possessed an animal body. And like a zombie is a ghost that just won't move on and has gone back to possess their own body. So it's kind of, it reminded me of that. It's the whole thing of tying, like making this mythology where it's all tied in, like with the same thing. Oh my mm-hmm. God. I really liked it. Yeah, yeah I, had I, to, too. I had to reread that section. Like I was like, I'm taking notes. I'm like, I'm going to get this straight in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to take back what I said earlier that before we get into that though um, I thought I thought Dixie looked a little uh, in, her, in my mind she was a little gray but she's actually very pink in this comic so maybe she's not a zombie I don't know anyway uh, but yeah let's let's get into this mythology shall we <laughs> you know in an interview with uh, Rob Bowman they said if he's going to bring the undersoul oversoul thing into the show and he's like uh, maybe season three <laughs> So I guess they're going to try to keep it as uncomplicated as possible to begin with. But Well, yeah, because if it's too complicated, people are going to fall off the wagon. You know? Yeah. yeah. Wagon. <laughs> That's funny. Fall off. Um, you know, and they're going to be like, yeah, too complicated. Right off the bat. Right. So. so, okay. So there's an oversoul, which is your conscience. Or conscious. Conscience? The subconscious and the conscious. Um the conscious is the oversoul, which is your memories, your rational thought, and your undersoul is your subconscious, which is pas- your, your your passions or your emotions, heavy emotions, animal behavior, whatever. Wow. Uh, so <laughs> I broke this down. I was like, okay, so there's there's souls with no bodies, which there's the ghosts, which is the ghosts, yeah, an oversoul. Which is, There's the people who come back as them, like you were saying, um, to possess their own bodies. Like Ellie. Yeah. Um, because they're all memories, so they remember what they are about themselves. And then there's poltergeists. Poltergeists are undersouls, which are souls with no bodies, but like they're all about um, all emotions and appetites and whatever. And then they explain vampires and zombies, and they say vampires are only an oversoul and they're hungry for that undersoul so they feed off the fear in the blood or whatever yeah mm-hmm. and then zombies are the undersoul and they're hungry for what they're what they're missing with the oversoul is why they're eating brains and then they explained werewolves which is thropes so it's like it, this is a weird one it's like humans infected with an animal undersoul it's like are we going to find out what an animal oversoul is i have no idea <laughs> Imagine if you got infected with, like, an animal that was really rubbish, like a kitten. <laughs> I don't know. Or, or a, a snail. Right. right. So, I don't understand. It's like, maybe they'll blow this up more. Or maybe they just kind of, like, lay it down for you to think about. So, in normal mythology, a werewolf bite is what turns you into a werewolf. But, thropes are humans infected with an animal undersoul. So, it's almost like... Like, can vampires make other vampires? Can werewolves make other werewolves in this? Or is it just all of a sudden you're, like, walking along and <laughs> some undersoul or oversoul well, just jumps in your body? Yeah. Also, if they were infected with, like, an animal soul, I don't I, I, I don't fully understand how that would make the full moon part of the mythology, you know, where they yeah. change once a month. But, fair yeah. you know, I'm like, oh, I'll go there. I did think, <laughs> however, I was like, oh, it was lucky that Halloween fell on a full moon so that Scott could yeah. walk around. Because mm-hmm. if it was either night, either side, then obviously he would need to go and buy a costume. I did flip back. I was like, oh, there's a giant full moon over that mansion. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then we have the possessed, which are humans infected with an oversoul. And then 
And then we find but out that's a soul that was not originally theirs or something, right? Yeah, that, like, so it's the difference yeah. between that and the zombie thing. Like the zombie, it's them possessing their own body, and then this one is somebody else. Right, yeah, somebody right? else okay. possessing. So maybe they're saying that Ellie could pre- maybe possess a human body. I don't know. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. You know how cool, it'd be, but it, it sounds cool. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of all of me, of uh, the Steve Martin, Lily Tomlin uh, comedy. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm very interested in that kind of comedy. Um, but then we find out... We were actually... Sorry, sorry Robert. No, we were, a friend of mine and I were discussing the other day the big story... You know, the big story, the big, um, the big question of life of can a ghost and a zombie come from the same human? <laughs> <laughs> and then this yeah. made me... <clears throat> decide that I'm going to cash in I think on the Twilight uh, audience and yeah. I'm going to write a teen paranormal romance actually I think Steph should write it and I'll draw it um, <laughs> Steph, uh, we're going to write a book and it's going to be a teen paranormal romance and a girl falls in love and she's in a love triangle with two people but they're actually the same person what? because one is the zombie of the person, the and you know she can she can hug him and they can have physical contact. But you know, downside, he wants to eat her brains, and <laughs> the other person is the ghost, um, which is sweet and sensitive, and they can have conversations and doesn't want to kill her. Downside, they they she they're tra- they're incor- incorporeal, so they can never touch. Who will she choose? Yeah, my I think mind is freaking up alone song. right now. Uh, <laughs> because what if there's a Gwen ghost roaming around, and it's just her that older soul? Is. But wait a second, she's not a zombie, though. They say she's a revenant. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. Uh, basically, it's a revived body with both an undersoul and an oversoul intact. But for some reason, like there's still a thirst for. I don't know. She's it. It was weird, the quotes. I tried to decipher this in my notes. It says, she thirsts, I wrote, she thirsts for brains because her souls were not meant to stay in her body so she could slip into becoming a zombie. I, mean, I wonder then if it means that other normal zombies that aren't Gwen um, get the memories of whoever brains they eat. Yeah. Or if that's just her. I'm thinking, it, I'm thinking it's a zombie thing. And so what's John doing? I mean, he's got the uh, canopic jars, you know, out when he's got uh, um, dead Fred tied down. So is he, what's he, is he eating stuff? What is he doing? He's probably like in in, uh, Egyptian, um, uh, in Egypt, in Egyptian, I don't know what I'm on about. Didn't they, when they made a mummy, they would remove the organs and they would put them in the little jars and they'd get buried separately. So maybe he has to do that to the guy and then that makes him like you know look normal instead of like the invisible man <laughs> yes um yeah i have no idea uh, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it'll be explained but he basically says like you don't have to eat brains um and you don't have to solve people's problems what's wrong with you you should come join me and we're gonna just start killing people <laughs> so yeah so, oh, gosh, it's really it was really interesting how, um, you know, we, we heard that this iZombie thing was she eats brains and then she solves the problems of the, the wrongfully murdered or whatever. And then it turns out in this very first case that this guy, Fred, is a total 
a hole. <laughs> like, yeah, like he gets into a car crash, and all of a sudden that switches his personality over to being evil and beating his wife and stuff and sleeping around. I just thought, I don't know, is that an actual real thing? You think? <laughs> like people get into a violent accident, or I guess it is. I think I've heard of that before. Oh yeah, questions. I've I've heard of um, like there locally there was a preacher who stabbed his wife and killed her. Yeah. And Ooh. oh Jesus! Uh, and it came out that just months before he had a brain injury in a car accident, and mm. they're thinking that maybe that's what caused him to behave in that way. Mm. Yeah, you can have a complete personality switch, you know, if you have. Yeah. Like damage to your temporal lobe or whatever. Like that's kind of how they what they use for one of the big arguments against the existence of the soul mm-hmm. is like how much of personality is dictated by by the brain. Yeah, what happens to it? Rather than like some yeah exactly. Um, what else do we got here? We did we talk about all the? I mean, we haven't really talked about Gwen totally. So she's a revenant. She can't seem to remember her past, but. Yeah, that was interesting. I think we met her brother, who she didn't think she didn't know who he was, but in the end, he's like cradling a picture of her. Um, it's weird that she can't. Yeah, she can't remember because we don't know how she died, do we? Nope. Yeah, that's another interesting thing. It's just like, well, it, it's intriguing. It's it's all right. So she, all of a sudden, you find it. Like as you're reading, you're like, all right, we'll we'll find out how she dies. Eventually, but yeah, I was really out. surprised that we didn't find that out right off the bat. Yeah, I was, you know, an origin story. Yeah, maybe that's part of like how everything's going to come together in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. I like Scott. Yes, Scott. He's like a wear Toto. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, his job, like the tallest buildings in Eugene, are retirement centers. So they all live in skyscrapers, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, and his friend as well was cool. The one, I can't remember his name. The one who finds out about him. Vincent. Vincent, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's Vincent, Tan, and Pascal Ashok. Ashok? Yeah. Um, who were very, like, nerdy bros <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> um, but um, it seems that like Vincent's going to be a pretty good friend. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how well Pascal's going to do after meeting... Vampire Claire. We haven't yeah. talked about vampires yet. <laughs> I didn't tell you that I was a vampire guy. <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh the line where I um, the main vampire said about, uh, I swear if Claire doesn't get her red dye number five ass out here, I'm going to stake her or whatever it was. And I was like, actually, I use red hair dye number 33. Thank you very much. Red dye number 33. That's funny. <laughs> and it, yeah. I thought this. I, I was so hoping you'd be able to guess Claire because this comic was calling out for you. I mean, I took a screenshot about a vampire Claire and sent it to you immediately when I stumbled upon it. But they even say like, Claire, you're not teaching intro to art history anymore. I know. <laughs> so she's an artist as well. It's like she is kind of me, guys. I do look like Claire. She's kind of like you. Yeah, because you've got the same hair. Um, but I, I did think I would never wear pink with my red hair, whereas Vampire Claire will wear pink. Would you wear like a vampire? Would you uh, carry a vamp- a vampire Hello Kitty bag? Or yeah, <laughs> okay. if I had one. <laughs> 
So uh, these ladies of the night, these vampire girls, uh, have a nice little setup. They they have a business, uh, <laughs> blood sports paintball, where I guess they can yeah. entrance people because they just basically let them hunt each other in the woods, grab one off to the side, take a couple drinks, and then send him, send him back to his friends, dazed and. And it seems like they look like vampires all the time because they kind of have pointy ears and the fangs. Yeah. Like all the time. Like later on when we see them and they're just wandering around, they sort of don't, you know, they don't kind of vamp out. Right. So they must have some sort of, you know, the look into my eyes, be in my eyes kind of thing going on as well. And the they need blood. It, it, it's just funny. It was just like paintball. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Paintball is evil. Paintball is evil. Uh, and uh, Claire's going off the reservation and actually killing people. Rather yeah, than that's what we that's what we do, Robin. Yeah. Well, what happens? Um, which uh, attracts the attention of uh, two other guys. <clears throat> uh, yeah, Horatio and Diogenes. I called them uh, blue hair and one eye because <laughs> I didn't know their names when I first read it. <laughs> Um, but uh, Diogenes was interesting because that's like because I was like that's Greek and I d- the only sort of reference I knew to his name was that there's a club in um, uh, Sherlock Holmes called the Diogenes Club hmm. which I think was like some like Mycroft went to like Mycroft Holmes mm-hmm. or he started it or something so I recognised it from, from that but uh, uh I had a, like a, a little quick Google, and apparently he was some famous like Greek philosopher who invented cynicism. Somebody invented like, oh, cynicism. Cool. <laughs> apparently, well, he's the father of cynic thoughts, which is mm-hmm. cynicism. So, yeah, I don't. I think people were cynical before him, Robin. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's like. Uh, I'm just thinking of it as like a new of... fad. Like, oh, this is something new. <laughs> You know what? I'm not really a big fan of things. Cynic philosophy. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I was like, that's interesting that they chose that name for him. Yeah. Uh, And then Horatio. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Who is somebody named Bethany was killed and he's a little upset about it. And yeah, um, not sure if it was a girlfriend or a sister or whatever, friend. I guess. And they wear lab coats. Yeah, they're a big like, fan of... They're like slayers, but they wear lab coats, which I thought was weird. Because when I first saw them in lab coats, I was what, like, are they going to be like like Dr. Frankenstein? Because, you know, there's not a Frankenstein monster. But it's weird. I was like, that's probably not very practical for, you know... I can't imagine Buffy wearing a lab coat running around. <laughs> well, I think they're just more like white trench coats. That's how I took them. Because yeah. they had big collars, right? <laughs> Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, maybe. I'm looking at a frame. It looks sort. No, these. It's more like a uh, like a Don Johnson sport <laughs> coat hanging really low. <laughs> Seems like, yeah, I guess they do look kind of. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, he's a part. They're part of the corporation. The corporate or er, right corporation of Fossers. Yeah. So here's your vampire slayers. <laughs> or monster, slayers. monster hunters. <laughs> this is really you, this is really a good Halloween uh, yeah. type thing. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're big fans of White. Uh, John was showing Gwen 
um, the Fossers in history, and they're all like they're all wearing white coats. So, um, yeah, I don't know much about to say about it. I mean, it looks like uh, at the uh, end of the story that they're in some trouble because one of them dropped a hotel key card. That's a problem. <laughs> when Barry and Claire. That's a problem. <laughs> That's where you run into a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Claire, you're about to give up hope because it looks like some girl with skunk hair is yeah. unearthing you. Which, well, because, well, I'm glad that's how I could do this podcast. You know? <laughs> uh, I, when I saw her hair, because, like, you know, I was like, oh, maybe they're wearing this because it's like Frankenstein. Blah, blah, blah. I was kind of looking for monster stuff, like all the way through it. As mm-hmm. soon as I, you know, we had like the the wolf and all this kind of thing. And the skunk hair, I was like, is she like Bride of Frankenstein? Mm. Like with the white zigzag in the hair? I don't know. I was getting very excited, like looking for clues. Was it? Yeah, probably aren't there. Was it Madman like uh, Frankenstein? Like that's what his name was? His name was Frank Einstein. Frank Einstein, that's right. <laughs> Frank Einstein, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was probably reading that Frankenstein, but yeah. <laughs> you know what I love? That you can, get aw- you can get away with things in comics that you just can't get away with in other mediums. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. There's certain things that like, oh, that's like even with The Walking Dead, it's like I think there's certain things in the comics they don't necessarily put in the show mm-hmm. because they uh-huh. don't know they can get away with it. You know what I mean? It's like even though, of course, they know it's based on the comic, it's like, yeah, there's certain things you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And the comic that are just not going to work anywhere else. Well, we'll see. I don't know. I, obviously, this is not going to be totally adapted, but maybe they'll... I mean, one thing that came to my mind I already talked about, which was the hoodie over spot, where his face was like darkened out so Dixie couldn't see his face. But obviously, in that light, yeah. you probably see his face. His big, hairy, doggy face. <laughs> <laughs> um. I had a question. Uh, Green Pasture Cemetery has a sign outside that says, uh, you know, everything's biodegradable, no no embalming fluids. So is the, is the reason why Gwen works in the cemetery because, I mean... Because they're organic. Well, I feel bad because I did a Six Feet Under podcast a couple of years ago, <laughs> so I should know this. But do they take the brains out if they embalm them? No. No? I don't think so. Maybe it's just... I think they embalm them with the brain. Like, unless they do an autopsy, I guess maybe they have to weigh the brain. Yeah. Yeah, But then they probably stuff it back in, don't they? I don't know. Yeah. When you do... When uh, when you embalm, all you do is drain the blood and then replace it with... The embalming. uh, Embalming fluid, I guess maybe maybe it just doesn't taste very good. So yeah. that's why she prefers working in this place. So all the organs, I think all the organs, I mean, unless you're an organ donor and they take, but other than that, all the organs stay in, right? That's true, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Once they don't take, and then. Um, and I think a cemetery that doesn't use, you know, chemicals, that works for the West Coast. Hmm. You know what I mean? I don't think they would be very, you know what I mean? That's a very... West Coast it's way environmental. of environmental. Yeah. yeah, that would. Yeah, that is really. Um. Oh yeah. Uh, I think Mike Allred did a good job with these paintings, by the way, to make them seem different than what the yeah, rest of the artwork. I guess it's really hard to probably draw a painting inside something that's already drawn. <laughs> but I, I, I looked up. I was like, did did he have somebody else do these paintings? But he, no, it's that's that's all him. <laughs> Yeah, they look cool. Yeah, and I liked how like she was getting these flashes, which, by the way, 
I love these little spidey sense shots of her getting those flashes where like half her face goes zombie all of a sudden. Yeah, that was awesome. It might have been the spidey sense thing. <laughs> but I love how like she was this the stuff gets stuck in her head so much she's gotta almost paint it out you know, <laughs> just to get it all out. But she's also painting um some things that might be her memories. Like uh well she paints her I'm, I'm I'm assuming he's the brother. He paints. She paints his br- her brother as one of the paintings, but also this spooky shot of Mister uh, Mister Scary Mummy Hands um, <laughs> coming towards uh, you know the POV of. of it was uh, funny, like when when she's got she's obviously painting like the memories, uh, like some of the memories of Fred and everything. But when she's got Fred inside her and she's talking to the wife, mm-hmm. um, and then. Like Fred says, I love you or something. Yeah. And then she's like, shut up, Fred. It reminded me of um, uh, Dollhouse. Like with uh, some of the characters that have like too many personalities put in them. All right. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't want to spoil it. Um, but, you know, <laughs> just this kind of warring voices in their head. Mm-hmm. I thought it was quite cool. So it's not just that she takes on their personality. It's like she almost has like conversations with them. Oh, I just thought of something like he never, he never has, he never gives her any sort of murderous thoughts. Right. Like, so I'm wondering if, uh, eating a person's brains only gives you the oversoul. So all that bad stuff that was, uh, associated with him after he had his car accident was stuck in his undersoul. Oh, gee. Maybe yes. She has to, she has to eat his, for that. she has to eat his feet for that or something. I wonder what like I wonder if there'd be some kind of like symbol symbolism um of eating like the heart and all that too, you know, like if you yeah. get Maybe that's what uh John Amon likes. He just likes This is a very good breakfast organs. conversation, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you eat the brains you get this, if you eat the feet, and then if you eat the heart. Oh yeah. <laughs> Happy breakfast, everybody. <laughs> um gosh, I don't think I have any more discussion points that I can think of? I have little. I have a random note, Go ahead. but it's very random. Okay, That's okay, we love random. At Dixie's, uh, they're drinking out of black and white striped cups and saucers, and I want some because they're really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love those. And they kind of they kind of matched Gwen's outfit, and I was like, I want some of those those, those cups and saucers. Please. <laughs> I love that Vincent calls uh, Scott Teen Wolf. Says something about him. Yeah, <laughs> like because his name and is they Scott. Have a very, yeah, they have a very, very in-depth discussion about American Wolf in London, which gets thumbs up from me because that's like one of my favorite films. And he's like, "Gwen, you could be the zombie." And she's like, Wah. "You didn't tell." <laughs> um. So why a wear terrier? Was that ever no. <laughs> acknowledged? Exactly. That's that's what Claire was talking about before. Like what? You know, I mean, he's just—he was just in, apparently infected with the terrier's undersoul or something. Because he's kind of like a bit of a sad sack, isn't he? Because he's in love with Gwen, yeah. but mm-hmm. can't really do anything about it. So it's just kind of like. You know, it would be it would be hilariously ironic if you were like, "Oh yeah, I got infected and I change like every month." Oh, so you're a badass werewolf? Well, no, I'm a terrier. <laughs> I'm not even like a badass. I'm not even like a a were Alsatian or a were Great Dane. Yeah, it'd no, be like being a were. I'm not even like a Chihuahua that's kind of biting. Or a, a, a were or a were Rottweiler. Yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> a terrier. So it's kind of ironic, sort of. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so. kind of cute. A weird terrier. He looks like Toto. Uh-huh. That's cute. I just, I just love animals. So I don't really care what they're weird terrier. 
We're Dane. Doesn't make a difference to me. <laughs> the babies, the baby animals. I'm looking in the comic, and uh, for one thing, I'm, I was I was proposing that maybe it's just the oversoul that's that um, Gwen gets when she eats the brains, but he's he starts having putting thoughts in her head like tighter, tighter, tighter as he's strangling. But maybe she's just having the memory. I don't know. The one thing I did see is that they made sure to point out that this woman that Fred kills has red hair. So I'm wondering if, like, he killed Claire and Claire got turned into a vampire. Maybe that yeah. make too many connections. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. So do we think that Horatio and Gwen are going to be a kind of will-they-won't-they they Buffy they and can't, Angel? Yeah, they can't reverse. be together they because... They're on yeah. the opposite sides. <laughs> but that's going to cause problems. They're going to want to be together, but then they can't, and it's going to be one of those love stories, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do we think that John John Amon? John Amon. Uh, his. <laughs> do we think that his show equivalent is? I can't remember the character's name when you guys were talking last week, but like, wasn't David Anders playing some mysterious zombie dude? Yeah, that's a movie called uh, The Revenant. Uh, which uh, I don't know exactly that when they he called himself a revenant I was like ooh now I definitely want to watch that movie so I didn't know if that's like they've changed his character but he's going to be like the that, the TV version oh, I don't know I, ca- well, I can't I remember like many of the characters that you said from last I'm week, certain but. the movie is not related at all to um, <laughs> the show but he plays uh, Blaine De Beers who is like a preppy drug dealer guy that gets oh, turned into a zombie not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, okay, I think I better stop now before we go on too long. <laughs> I don't think I have yeah. anything more. <laughs> before we start ranting, that would be bad. Um, I'm looking forward to the next, uh, I guess in the next trade, which is called You Vampire, we have like seven issues, I think, in that one, and another little mini story from House of Mystery. Um, oh. I will read the um, the summary if you, didn't, you guys don't mind. Um, sure. It says, In You Vampire, Gwen dines on the gray matter of a person who knew her as a child, and things quickly get complicated. Meanwhile, ghost girl Ellie learns a few tricks from uh, Amon the Mummy. Spot the Wear Terrier goes to a comic shop and meets someone from Gwen's past. There's a mad scientist named the Mad Scientist Galatea. Um, I'll have to learn how to say that in the next month. Um, engages in a bit of grave robbing, and the monster hunters tackle the town's vampire problem. So, Ooh. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and from the looks of the uh, titles of these issues, I think we're going to get some some origins of some characters. So, really looking forward to that. And uh, I've gotten over my fear of uh, discussing comic books without a uh, uh, <laughs> too much flop. Without flop. a show, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, thank you, Claire, for coming on the show. Hope hope to have Thanks. you back. Thank you, Claire. Thanks, guys. I'm looking forward to discussing the the rest of the issues with you guys. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah. You know, I really hope Vampire Claire makes it. <laughs> Me too. And I hope she like decides not to wear pink when she survives. I really pink hope does so. not go with red hair. <laughs> she should borrow some of Gwen's clothes and wear a nice teal. Teal goes with red hair. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, Ashley, Steph, thanks for joining me. Thank you for listening to the season one episode of the Eyes on Me podcast with Robin and Steph. Our podcast logo is designed by D. Sheehan. You can find her work at behance.net slash Deanna Sheehan. 
We posted that link, as well as others, on our home on the web, iZombiePodcast.com. There you'll find links to our Twitter and Facebook pages. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash iZombiePodcast. Finally, send your feedback in to iZombiePodcast at gmail.com. The iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph is created under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported International License. That means you can share it all you like as long as you link back to us. But please, do not change it or sell it or trade it for brains unless you're going to give us some. And remember, a mind is a terrible thing to taste. <laughs>